Early Childhood Australia welcomes you to a very special episode of our podcast. We'll be speaking with author and advocate for a constitutionally enshrined voice to parliament, Thomas Mayo, about the voice, especially as it concerns young children and their families. Early Childhood Australia wishes to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the lands on which this podcast was recorded and produced. We pay respect to the elders past and present and to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples living and working in this area. Welcome to our podcast. Today we are meeting on Larrakia country up here in Darwin and we are delighted to be speaking with Thomas Mayo about the Indigenous Voice to Parliament, in particular with regard to young children and families. Thomas is the author of four books, including one of our favourites here at ECA, Finding Our Heart. Thomas is a strong advocate in the campaign for a constitutionally enshrined voice, which is one of the key principles in the Uluru Statement from the Heart. And Thomas is also an advisor to the Diversity Council of Australia and the From the Heart campaign. Welcome, Thomas. As I'm sure you're aware, ECA is a strong supporter of the Yes campaign, and we welcome the opportunity to make this podcast with you today, primarily to share with our 100 plus ECA staff and our 3000 plus ECA members across the country. So it's been a very busy time for you, Thomas. Tell us what you've been up to over the last little while. Yeah, well, for six years, I've been on the road, really, taking the Uluru Statement from the Heart to as many Australians as I can. And that has intensified since the election in May last year, where we have a commitment from the current government to delivering on the Uluru Statement in full, which is voice, treaty and truth. The key proposal is a constitutionally enshrined voice. So being extra busy because we're heading towards a referendum. So at Early Childhood Australia, ECA, our vision is that every young child is thriving and learning. A part of that is about children being heard and having a voice. And in fact, our first strategic priority is to speak up for young children. I'm keen to know why you think the voice is important for children and how we can all ensure that children not only get a say, but also get heard in this very important process. Yeah, I think it's important that we always keep our children in mind when we're talking about such reforms. This is a a country that has a colonial past that came with genocide and forced assimilation and the White Australia policy was the first thing that our forefathers in, in the Federation of Australia did, which has caused a lot of hurt and traumas for Indigenous people. But it's also a burden that we have carried through the generations and we see this referendum to enshrine a voice as a great step in reconciliation um, to hear Indigenous people. And so we think about how we can uh, build a better future for our children. And it's the reason why I wrote children's books about this, because it's great for our children to understand this history, but in a gentle way, you know, there's thinking about the age groups and what's appropriate at different times. But, you know, truth-telling is still important. And what I've found is that what children say when they learn the truth about our past and what we're seeking to do with a voice at this referendum to recognise Indigenous peoples and to hear us, to have a say when decisions are made about us, they have this, it seems, an innate understanding of why this is important to all of us. I've heard children 
responding to the story finding our heart and the Uluru statement itself by talking about fairness because we're always drumming fairness into our children trying to ask them to be fair-minded and in line with Australian values as well. We always talk about the fair go. And one child in particular, I remember in Canberra, year fours it was, she described how when they're going to play a game in the schoolyard, it's important for all of the participants, you know, friends to understand and, and contribute to what the rules are. And that is how this little girl understood the importance of including Indigenous people in decision-making because decisions are made about Indigenous people all of the time. We have been here for 60,000 years, according to science, and we get better outcomes when we listen to Indigenous people who have the solutions. I'm really glad you brought that example up, actually, because that was the one that struck me when I was reading the book about the fairness and about deciding the rules. And children are really good at doing that before they start a game. And for me, that really struck me that that's all it is. That's all we're doing. And it's an easy way to apply it, isn't it, for our children, but also for everyone. Yeah, it really is. Sometimes I pose this question to people when they're asking why we need to include Indigenous people in the Constitution, our founding document, our birth certificate, somewhat as Australians, that was made in 1901 when the colonies that are now the states federated to become states and, and establish our federal government. But I pose this question, if we hadn't federated in 1901 and we were still colonies on this continent, New South Wales, Victoria, Tasmania, South Australia, Western Australia and Queensland, then would we not today expect that Indigenous people would be at the table with them to discuss the terms of our new nation? I think a great, great majority of Australians would say, yeah, you know, it's a no-brainer. Indigenous people, as a distinct people on this country, should have been part of those discussions. It's a way of helping people to see that by voting yes in this referendum, we're somewhat righting a wrong of the past and unifying our country as it should have been from the beginning. Yeah, that's a very good point. So having a voice is just the beginning being heard is actually what's critical. Do you think that people are listening? And can you tell us a bit about your experience of being heard and what people are telling you about the voice? Well, it's a big country and politics is a hard place to navigate. And it's one of the reasons why we're calling for a voice is because Indigenous people, you know, merely 3% of the population nowadays spread across this vast continent, across over 100 different electorates and outnumbered everywhere politically, we do need a voice, an enhanced voice, not to take over things, you know, it won't have a right to veto or to, or in other words, to force our parliament to do anything. It's not a special right, but it just provides the means for us to be listened to by politicians for transparency in what we say, but also coherency in what we say, you know, across all of our Indigenous peoples across the, the continent. A voice matters in a democracy. The Solicitor General, you know, so the highest sort of legal figure in our country, has said that this enhances our democracy. It improves it by ensuring we're able to have a say. So a voice really does matter. And we really aren't heard right now. And you can see that in the statistics. The 
life expectancy gap of almost 10 years, the incarceration rates, you know, here in the Northern Territory, almost all of the time, 100% of the youth in detention are Indigenous. I think it's six times more likely to be imprisoned nationally, or actually it's a lot higher than that. But you see, the point that I'm making here is that it's not a matter of our culture, because we have a proud and, and beautiful culture. It's not a matter of our DNA or a lack of humanity. It is a matter of a political issue and an issue about being heard. And a voice will make a difference practically to improving Indigenous lives. So some people are saying that the voice is not enough or that it's going to create further divisions in our country. What are your thoughts on that? Well, this is a great balance, right? And I think we got it right because you've got some saying it's not powerful enough, as you mentioned, and you've got others saying that it's too powerful. Again, a voice matters. It's a practical way of getting things done. There are issues that are common across all of the Indigenous communities in the country, you know, such as housing, which affects health and also affects, you know, social cohesion. Infrastructure in communities, there's still a lot of communities without decent running water, education, and the way that programs are implemented and funded. A voice would be important to stopping waste, really, and, and see better outcomes for the taxpayer dollar. All of these things are things that the voice can make a difference in. So in that way, it's a powerful thing. But it's not so powerful, again, that it's going to be able to stop the government from making decisions or hold the government up or force the government to do things. And all of this has been tested. You know, the words that will go in the Constitution have been tested by the most eminent constitutional experts in the country. Former High Court Justices Hayne and French, you know, respected constitutional silk, Brett Walker, who have said that the fear-mongering about this being too powerful Brett Walker described it as fantastical doom saying, you know, it is just that, it's fear-mongering. And so it's powerful enough to cause change, but not too big a step where it will take away or give Indigenous people special rights in this democracy. So with the doomsday stuff and the stuff that some people are saying, how do you counterbalance that? Well, we've got to try and get the truth to people. And that's harder than we think it is, I think, because you mentioned earlier people, how they're able to hear this voice. They've got a lot coming in. You know, there's a lot of information these days because of social media. And, you know, we haven't got very strong laws about ensuring fact checking of what information people receive, what news they're, you know, they're getting. So it's a difficult task and one of the reasons I'm doing this podcast with you is because I want people to hear the truth and I want them to help us to get the truth to others that may be misinformed by that noise, the fear-mongering, the fantastical doomsaying that's going on. Just in a nutshell, this is simply we're saying yes or no to recognising the existence of Indigenous people as the first peoples in this country a continuing people, you know, or culture and heritage that our children, especially nowadays, are very, very proud of. You know, more and more our art and our songs and our dancing is something that our children love and understand that is what makes our country truly unique. You know, not thongs, not mateship, not, you know, cooking on the barbie, though we can enjoy all of those things. And so uh, I really want people to understand the truth. I know from experience that when people know the truth about this, 
when they have the information, then they tend to support it, and that matters. If you could fast forward and we're through this campaign, we're through the referendum, what do you see? What does it really look like, the voice to parliament? Well, it's simply a representative body, and that's not unusual in a democracy. There are industry associations and unions and parliament itself is a representative body where we choose our members of parliament. So it's a representative body. What we'll see, I think, fast forwarding is a great advancement in closing the gap. I think without this voice feeding the solutions in from our remote communities and, and even urban communities with varying issues, we'll see those solutions reaching the parliament in a way where the Australian people have said through this referendum, hey, decision makers, you need to listen to this voice. I really believe that we'll see a more unified country, a country where we have embraced Indigenous culture and heritage, a country unique in the world that has caught up with the rest of the world in that we're the only like nation that doesn't have treaties or constitutional recognition of Indigenous people, and a country where there is greater equality. Because when we close the gap, what that means is that Indigenous people will be just as healthy as other Australians, incarceration rates won't be through the roof, and something that we should all strive for. And if Indigenous people are saying that's the solution, then I hope that's enough for most people. We'll see a better future. So just practically, what do you think we can do in our everyday lives to support The Voice, especially with children and families? That's our core business. Yeah, well, we're coming close to a time, you know, we're only a few months away as we record this from a referendum. So we've taught our children. I know that ECA has done some wonderful work sharing what the Uluru Statement is with children who have taken that to their families now. But I'll cut to the chase now. I think it's up to us as adults now. It really is. For us to, as I said, spread the truth about this, share what you've heard in this podcast. Kerry O'Brien, you know, former ABC journo, and I have written a book called The Voice to Parliament Handbook. All the detail you need. It's a compact, small handbook with all the facts and the background to the proposal, some examples of how a voice will make a practical difference and a frequently asked questions section that will be very useful. 50% of the royalties, author royalties, go to the Indigenous Literacy Foundation. It's only going to be useful until the referendum, so Kerry and I aren't doing it to make any money. We're not going to cover our costs. But that's just one tool that you can use. There's also the website, yes23.com.au, you can volunteer to support the Yes campaign on there, get more information, link up with local supporter groups. And also, lastly, there is the Together Yes campaign. So togetheryes.com.au, which is about supporting people to have kitchen table conversations with people that they can invite into their home or to a barbecue and have a structured conversation about what this is about and the truth of it all. And hopefully, you know, help us to win by having conversations with people that we can influence. 
I was just going to say, Thomas, I've read the start of the book that you just mentioned and it, it is really easy to read and has already answered some questions I had. I love the cartoons as well and the little anecdotes in there. I think it's a really helpful tool. So I'll be definitely reading that and sharing it with my family, especially also the questions. You know, we have a few questions and mm-hmm. straight away at the back of the book, they were just all there, just listed for us. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to finishing that one off. So, Thomas, winding up, the work that you're doing on The Voice is so important and I'm sure it's taken great sacrifice on you and taking you away from your family and your everyday life. At the end of the day, how do you feel playing such a big part in this important process? Well, I'm only doing what I know is right. I have been involved in advocacy for my people for quite some time now and for years I saw how... It was too ineffective. Harmful decisions were being made about Indigenous people with little listening to our people and no repercussions really for those such poor decision making. And I saw that the solution is for us to be guaranteed the opportunity to speak to the decision makers. Uh, So I've just always done what I think is right. It has been a huge sacrifice. I have young children and have hardly I spent a lot of time with them, especially in the last two years, as this has intensified. But we're not far away, and I have great faith in the Australian people. I have a strong belief in that we are people that are fair-minded. We really do believe in a fair go. And so I'm just doing everything that I can to give people the information that they are hungry for so that they can make a good decision come referendum time think your family would be very proud of you. Thomas Mayo, thank you so much for your time today and speaking with us at ECA about The Voice and we wish you all the best for the next part of the journey. Thank you, Claire, and thank you everyone for listening to us. Thank you for listening to this very special episode of our podcast. The copyright of this material is owned by Early Childhood Australia and all rights are reserved. The ECA podcast is available anywhere you might listen to podcasts. We hope that this episode has provoked reflection and answered questions you may have about the referendum.